God bless you all this evening. Hope you all come expecting. Amen. Let's just sing the verse in the course of the song. Would you be free from your burden of sin?
injustice called for a payment for sin. For no one worthy could be found among men. But the precious Son of God, with the cross and thorny crown, paid the death with the blood of the just before we go to prayer. We don't have any grand prayer requests, but if you have a need, just lift it before the Lord. Brother Roy, could I have you open up the service center where a prayer after we sing this? Amen. Oh, let's start with the chorus. I claim the blood Jesus shed on My sickness and 
bow our heads our gracious Heavenly Father already we have felt your presence in this sanctuary tonight 
And we just want to thank you, Lord, for your presence amongst us. For thou hast said in thy word, where two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. And we honor your presence amongst us tonight, Father, as the guest of honor. For without you, O God, this meeting here tonight would be in vain. But we are so grateful we have a heavenly Father who by your word have promised you will always be with us, even in us to the end of the world, Father. How thankful we are for the seed that we heard this morning. That precious certified seed that was left, that was deposited in each and every one of your children here tonight, Father. Father, we just want to ask that the Son of God would shine even greater upon this seed tonight, that it would manifest the very life and nature of Jesus Christ. Tonight we want to thank you, O God, that each one here has experienced, O Father, the very nature of Jesus Christ in our lives, and that's why we're here to give you thanks and praise for the goodness of God in our lives, Lord. Father, we want to thank you for each each individual son and daughter of God. We thank you, O Lord, that you have made us a body, a body that would manifest you, a body that would praise you, a body that would honor you in this end time that we are living in, Father. Tonight, we want to thank you for the great things that you have done in the midst, Lord. Father, especially at this time where we'll be doing, taking the communion service, Lord. How thankful we are, Lord, that you left the ramparts of glory and gave yourself a living sacrifice that we would have life tonight. So we want to honor that life tonight, Father, that was broken at Calvary for us. What a paradox it is, Lord, when we think the scourging, Lord, and the violence that was bestowed upon you, Father. But yet in that violence, oh God, in that, in that suffering, healing was manifested for us, Father. Deliverance was manifested for us, oh God. Salvation was made for your children, Lord. A way back to the cross and a way back to you, Father, where we would have found life and find it more abundantly tonight. Lord, as we approach this sacred table tonight. We ask that, O oh, Heavenly Father, that you would come amongst us and energize our faith that whatsoever the need in our bodies and in our hearts and in our lives, O oh, Father, we would experience Jesus Christ in us, Lord, the hope of glory. We ask that, Lord, you will bless your people tonight in a very special way, Lord. Let this be a great time in the presence of the Lord. May we rejoice in the great things that you have done for us, Father. We thank you for the salvation of our children. We want to thank you for the salvation of our loved ones. We want to thank you for the healing that's been wrought amongst us, oh Father. The prayers that's been answered, Lord, and the great things you have done amongst us. But most of all, Father, we want to thank you for your word. Because the word is God. And we've come, Lord, that we would hear the words spoken by your servant, Brother Michael, tonight. We pray that, Lord, you would just move the man out of the way and let the Holy Spirit come forth with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit tonight, Lord. 
that every need in your divine presence will be met and that we will leave this house of prayer tonight knowing that we have met with our heavenly father lord we just pray you will anoint your servant with a mighty anointing we just ask that lord you will come to each need tonight and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory and the honor and we thank you already for your presence father in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Brother Roy. You may have your seats. We have a special from our brother Andrew, Brother Josiah, and Brother Michael. As they get ready, can we sing Down From His Glory, Every Living Story? Down from His glory Every
priest was in the temple, another year had come and gone. The sacrifice was ready, the sinner's hands were holding on. As the blood of the spotless lamb was spilt upon the floor, they both knew they'd seen it all before. Thieves stared at each other, they knew they both were slaves. Sin had held them ransom, but their debt would soon be paid. On a small and lonely hill, a cross would soon be raised. For God was sending one who saved.
because that is indeed our desire tonight to shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Lord Jesus over our families, Lord loved ones that are our wayward, Lord we shout Jesus for you are the only remedy, Lord in this dark hour, the only toxin, oh God, that can, Lord, stem the tide of the darkness, you're the only one that can, Lord, hold back the forces of the enemy tonight, so Lord, that's why we shout the name of Jesus, Lord, we send the Holy Spirit, Lord, in every area and aspect of our lives. Lord, you can do a cleansing, Lord, tonight. Oh, God. Lord, where do others run to? I do not know. But tonight, we run to Jesus. Lord, we run only to you, oh, God. Lord, may your name be praised this evening, Lord, as we approach your precious table, the communion table. Lord, may we just gather tonight. And may it be, Lord, for each one here, Lord, pure, true communion with you. May it be an unusual service for each individual, Lord. May, Lord, their walk with you just grow a little deeper tonight, Lord, a little closer to you tonight as, Lord, we just focus our hearts, our attention upon the Word of God tonight, we pray. Thank you for the service thus far and your presence, Lord. We so desire, Lord, in every aspect. It's our, Lord, it's what we crave, Lord. We crave your nearness. So, Lord, would you just press yourself Lord, so close to us tonight, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate uh, your time, your gifts. We have incredible musicians. Just usher us as we can worship and bring the presence of the Lord near us tonight. Amen. Amen. We'll turn to our Bibles tonight and a couple scriptures, just a couple short verses. So we'll have you turn and move through your Bible a little bit. You can start in, uh, we'll start in 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to try and just uh, punch a little thought home tonight as we just go to communion. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, very familiar scripture. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, Brother Tom said this morning, we can just go through a scripture and sometimes we can just read it and then we just, we just pass by, but... How much has been packed into one line of scripture. For he hath made him to be sin for us. That's no small line of scripture in the Bible. There's a lot that went on right there. Who knew no sin. That we, each one of us here in this room tonight, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Again, another line of scripture that packs an incredible amount of power in it that pertains to us. Maybe we turn now to Matthew 16. <laughs> Having you get familiar tonight with your Bible a little bit, that's a good deal. Those of you that were struggling for lamentations <laughs> this morning, <laughs> just know it precedes Ezekiel for the rest of your days, I believe. <laughs> Matthew 16. 26, for what is a man profited 
if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Amen. What shall a man give in exchange for a soul? It's a question. I'm going to have you now flip all the way to Galatians. Like I said, <laughs> it's, good. it's church. You can learn to know our Bibles. It's, it's okay. Galatians 3.13. Amen. We've been, he was made sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God. And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And then we're going to bring in just a third verse just to tie in a couple areas of Scripture and then maybe a little thought behind it. Six, Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He was made sin. He was made a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have read a few verses of, Lord, what many of our Bibles say, Holy Bible. Lord, it's holy because it's your word. And for you are the word. Lord, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would open yourself up to us tonight. Lord, your word would become alive off the page. The words, Lord, of your scripture would, Lord, just become life, Lord, to each one hears. We, Lord, just fellowship around your word and the thought, Lord. There was a time when the disciples, Lord, were around you. You, the word, made flesh. And, Lord, they fellowshiped with you and you spoke to them. Lord, may that be tonight. Lord, a time that we as your disciples in this day, Lord, could gather around you the word and Lord, you could fellowship with us and speak to us life. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight we have communion and so it is maybe we'll center our, maybe our thoughts Focus our thoughts on the communion table or the why we have communion. I maybe just take a little thought. I thought I'd call it the great exchange, but may, may I change it. Maybe we'll talk about remember the exchange and remember the exchange. And, and uh, you know, anything that's considered something significant in the world, they usually tend to put before it great, the great something. The Great Train Robbery happened many years ago. It was an incredible time, a robbery, and so therefore they termed it the Great Train Robbery, and they, in equivalent money today, they stole about $40 million of funds. Therefore, it was termed the Great Train Robbery. There's the Great Escape. If anybody knows in World War, there was a, a mass escape of World War soldiers in, in a prison camp, and it was a, a, a large endeavor. And so it was so huge, it was an, an incredible feat, so they called it the Great Escape because of such magnitude. There's the Great Wall that if I asked you how many kilometers that Great Wall spanned, you probably would have no idea because when I saw the number, I had to look at it again and again and again. And it is indeed pretty great because it actually runs 21,000 kilometers, or if for those that need miles, maybe somewhere around 13 plus thousand miles. That's great. They call it the Great Wall. And not for nothing, for there's a reason there. It's huge. It's an incredible thing. About uh, one million people, they say, were used to build it approximately, and it took about 2,000 years. So it's pretty great. They, they call it great. There's the Great Depression. 
25% unemployment rate. Wages fell 42%, and stocks lost 90% of their value. It was an incredibly great depressed time. Therefore, it got the term great. There's the great Gatsby. Nothing great about it. Don't ask me why they called it the great. It was in there too. Sometimes they throw great for nothing. They did there. But there's many things in this world that they term to be great. It's prominent or it's important, it's distinguished, it's famous, it's honored, it's remarkable, it's exceptional, it's highly rated, it's incomparable, it's unsurpassed, unexcelled, and it's matchless, to name a couple synonyms or similar terms to bring great. And so therefore, there's, there, there's things that deserve it, things that maybe don't. But I want to talk about the great exchange. Because there was something, this to me was an unparalleled event of time worthy in every aspect of the word great. Every aspect of it. And so in an exchange, there's a a trade or a barter of something that goes between somebody when they exchange something. Usually it's something of equal value. You know, nobody is going in for the exchange for the lower end of it. Nobody likes the short straw. Nobody likes to be downgraded. No, nobody likes to, to, you know, to get shafted, as they say, if, if, if you're at the raw end of a deal. We have a lot of uh, idioms in the English language, <laughs> I found out when I was speaking overseas. But in an exchange, man goes into, into bartering and wants to, to, to get a, a, a certain value out of it. We have gift exchange, currency exchanges, we have stock exchanges. It's all a trading of something. Nobody here goes into a gift exchange, and I'll expose you all, if you've all been, because we're at Christmas time, you're not going in for the lowest gift. <laughs> I know that. You're sitting there at a gift exchange, if you've ever been to one, at a, sometimes a, a company event or something like that, and, and you're, trying, you're probably looking at everybody, trying to figure, what, what, you know, which one do I want to you know. Yeah, you're looking for something of equal or more value than what you think you have in your hands. You're not looking to be like, well, I'll look for the lowest thing here, and I'll trade it off. You're quiet, but it's true. There was a fellow that traded many, a few years ago, traded his paperclip, a red paperclip, and he slowly exchanged it in 14 trades. He got a house. And so he was trying to find someone that had equal or, you know, value. And he just kind of worked his way upwards in a, in a very random way and, uh, and, and, and exchanged effectively a red paperclip for a house. Pretty incredible. But that's an exchange. But those aren't great exchanges to me. What we're talking about tonight is, is Calvary. And I want to talk about the exchange that took place on Calvary's hill. Now, the problem is, on, on an exchange for us, if you're looking at what was exchange, the problem we have is in our sinful state, we can't improve anything. You know, the fellow with the red paper clip tried to, uh, he worked at improving it somehow. And he worked his way up to try and increase the value. He actually went from a paper clip to, a, I think, a doorknob to this or that and the other. And someone saw that and said, oh, I, I like that. And, and so, you know, th- there was value there for them. And so it slowly kind of worked his way up to where he had in his hand something that he could trade that was of equal value even for a house. But for us, when we enter an exchange with God, we actually have no way of improving this. Amen. It's unimprovable. 
And, and here, we, there's nothing we could say. There's nothing we can attempt to, to build or add on to our, our structure or our body. There, there's no, there's no uh, you know, good deed in life that we can do. We can't improve ourselves by education. We could be the best doctor of doctors. We could, we could save thousands of, of humans. We could be a teacher that that teaches and, and, and helps educate people and attain the highest of highest levels, but it never will improve you enough to match what was required to take away your sin. Never would it be enough to sit on the scale and sit on a, a large scale of life and place yourself on one side and say, I have done everything that I can do I am the epitome of humanity right here. And put yourself on the scale and then on the other side, try and match and equal that scale on what was required to match what you needed to become sinless. All the time, the scale would be out of balance no matter what was done. Isaiah 64, 6 said, but we're all as an unclean thing, unclean thing. And all our righteousness are filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, has taken us away. Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. An unclean thing was considered a terrible thing in Israel's day. That's what a leper had to shout, unclean. Whenever somebody went by them, they were, they were considered an outcast. It was a person of no hope. You were a leper, you had no hope. You, you were sent outside the walls. It was essentially a life sentence and eventually death, really a life sentence of, 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 of being alone and, 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 and ostracized and had to cry that unclean anytime someone came near. And it's no wonder that sin is likened to leprosy because of, of, of what really it, it, it does to both a body and what it, it typed in the scripture. And it's, it's really the worst thing that could happen to, to anybody in the house of Israel uh, to be considered unclean. It was a death sentence. You got disconnected from society. You got cut off from support. You're alone. You're undone. You're begging now, trying to scratch an existence out, knowing at some point death will take its price. And there was nothing that person could do. Nothing. Think about it when Moses put his hand as a sign at the burning bush and he pulled it out as leprous. You can imagine the shock that that would have been knowing what that meant. Now here, Brother Bram says here he stands holding his hand over his heart, standing like this, speaking now of Moses, where the hidden secrets of redemption had been hid since the foundation of the world. My, and this is such a beautiful type Brother Branham gives here between God and Christ and Moses now, he said, here's why. He goes, Jesus is God's right hand, we all know. And there was Moses portraying him exactly. He held the secrets of the Father and has showed them to us. Notice, watch him pull from his bosom, his hands smitten with deadly leprosy. Showed what God would do with his right hand. He says, now notice, leprosy has no cure. Notice it wasn't just common leprosy. It was in the last stage when he pulled his hand, white as snow. His hand was smitten with a horrible thing. How Moses must have felt when he pulled his hand out from his shirt or from over his heart and his hand was smitten with leprosy. It symbolizes sin, incurable, and especially in its last stage. Our state was incurable. Every one of us, incurable. Find something that would be able now to exchange with God in that state. Just find something. Somebody, please find something clean. 
Nothing. Humanity, nothing, no one had nothing to offer. Surely there was something mankind could come and bring as an offering in exchange to say, well, well, you know, here, here, here's some good deed or here's some, some treasure of the earth, something. No. No, you're a one of a kind. You, need, you have a one of a kind problem. And you need something so specific in exchange for your sin to be wiped away. And in fact, I don't even think if you ask somebody, say, I don't even know if anything exists. No one exists on all, on, in, all, in all humanity, but if they could be, if someone could be pleading the cause and say, surely there's something. I, I, I am as, I'm as a leper. I, I'm, I'm sin. I, I'm covered in sin. My righteousness is as filthy rags. Surely there's something. Please find someone. Wait. There is only one thing. You need someone who's sinless. Because God required atonement for our sin. And no man, because we are all born in sin, no man was going to do that for you or I. So search through all of the earth, no one existed. So it had to be someone beyond humanity. I wonder, you know, When you're looking to exchange with somebody with something, there has to be some value recognized there. That you're willing to give what you have in exchange for that. You wouldn't trade a car outside of the parking lot for a ballpoint pen. It just doesn't even match. And so there's a giving and receiving. And God looked down at humanity. And I just have pondered this for the last little while and he started to appraise the value because it took God and only God to exchange your sinful state for righteousness so it was only God that could start to appraise the value of each of us and I thought my if he started his appraisal and he'd look at each one and I just started to go through different once in my mind and I was thinking if he's looking down but Dave I thought of that picture of you standing there with a beer can and a cigarette in your hand and all the mud and God started to praise I said hmm is there, is there enough value there for this trade for this exchange and he looked to each one of us yes, there's enough value there for this exchange yes. and he started to appraise yes. your lives in the pits of it, in the, the, the dirty depths of sin. He said, well, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't like that. I wasn't really in those dark places. But maybe it's somebody that was in a religious state, whether in a denomination or maybe even just in this church, thinking you got it all covered because you go to a message church. No, you need a savior. You're, in fact, even worse. It stenches even more. A religious, well, I'm okay. The person that's in the darkness and the depths with a cigarette and a beer bottle knows they ain't okay. But God appraised, he started to praise every single one of them, every single one of us. And he started to look and say, hmm, is there value there? And he started going down his little ledger pad, each name, 
each one. Are they worth what I have to offer in exchange? And he started to weigh it out. But what about the cost now? What, what about the cost that I need to give for this? He looked, I'm sure he looked at all the ramparts of glory and he looked at the splendors that our mind can't even begin to imagine. And there he was in his throne, all of heaven, all of its beauty and magnificence and the angels and the legions of them around. He's saying, oh, I have to leave this. I have to leave all of this here. I have to go down and put on flesh. I have to become one that can age. I have to step into time. I don't even live in time. I am an eternal being, but I have to step into time and feel the, feel the aging aspects of a fleshly body, feel the pains and the groans of this flesh. I must feel the scorn and the shame and the mockery and the persecution. He's weighing it out. Not that he's weighing it out whether it's worth it or not, but he, that is the cost that had to go on the other side of the scale. And he looked at each one of you and I and said, do I do this? In Gethsemane, he bore the burden and the weight as he knew now what he must do as he approached the moment of the exchange. God didn't second guess his valuation because when he went down the tally, and this is just my mind as I look and, and how I just think about. And the Lord looked at each name. He says, absolutely, absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. That's my seed, absolutely worth it. And he went down the whole tally book and said, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm going to step down into that time. I'm going to step down into that, that little hickey of time, as Brother Branham says, and I'm going to become flesh. Then when he got there in Gethsemane, he wasn't second guessing. Oh, should I have done this? Uh, should I not? No. He knew full well what was coming. He had, already, he had already gone through and known what it takes so that you and I could become sinless. And so he said there, Jesus sat there praying, kneeling in the garden. I can't even, I can imagine the temptation and the mind battles that would have, would, would have gone through. You think you've gone through mind battles. He's gone through them too because he's gone through everything that you and I go through so he can say, I, I know. I know what it is. I know what it is to war with a decision. God didn't, God looked down. Brother Brown tells it, it your, his love for you compelled him to come down. He desired fellowship with you and I so much. He craved and longed to be with you and I. 
in a relationship of fellowship and communion. I can't even fathom. My mind can't comprehend that level of love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought him down to man to, to bring about now the greatest exchange known to man. Because God then came. There had to be a, there's a moment where you can plan an exchange, you can plan a transaction, you can put all the, the thoughts in place on, oh yeah, you can, you can work out the, the particulars, but there comes a moment when that must transpire. The, the, the giving and the taking have to take place. And that moment came as we approached Gethsemane and started to work the time ahead up to Calvary. And here an exchange began to take place where he who knew no sin would become sin. So that you would become righteous. Amen? This is what started to happen in the garden of Gethsemane. And so here as the soldiers would have become to now step into the garden. And here Judas would, would be betray him. And I would think here at the moment, at the start of the greatest exchange known to man and in all of eternity, another exchange had just actually happened. And Judas had exchanged the blood of Christ for 30 pieces of silver. This had just happened just before the exchange that would make Judas sinless. And here he had traded off the blood of Christ for a little bit of gold or a little bit of silver. They said, Lord, help, help us, the humanity, to not sell off the opportunity that they could have or, or my job or my this or my that. And they trade and exchange some humanistic aspect of life for eternity. Judas did. And here the soldiers came in. I can tell you this was, a, this was a, a, a difficult time. They weren't coming in lightly. They weren't coming in. This, this, had, this, had, this was now climaxing at a place where the, the, the Jews had, were in a fierce, uh, fierce anger for all that had been transpiring, the priests and so forth. And so here now the temple guards, they come into the, into the garden and Ju Judas betrays him. And here they start to, I'm sure, they're not going to just handle, they weren't handling Jesus with kit gloves, I can tell you that. And here now the, the exchange begins. Because in that exchange, the transfer of my sin, the transfer of your sin, starting to now go in his direction. All right, so little by little, this exchange starts to happen. And so the guards now start to bind him and, and start to beat him. And then they start to mock him. And, and the, the scripture says, the Lord God hath opened mine ear. I was not rebellious, neither turned away, His, my ba turned away back. And here God, knowing full well what was required to be placed on that scale so that you might become sinless, he wasn't willing to, to, to step away from it or, 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 or not take a certain aspect of the punishment that we deserved. And so it says, I, I neither turned away my back. That's what scripture says. It says, I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from the shame and the spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I shall not be ashamed. Amen. He set his face to that. 
Because he said, if I don't go through with this exchange, my people will not be sinless. If I, if I shy away a little bit, the full penalty of sin will, will, will only be a portion and it must take it all. That's why on Calvary, he didn't even take the gall. He said, I thirst. And they gave him some vinegar and gall and was there actually as a, as a, uh, uh, like a, a medicine to try and numb it. And, he, and, he, and the scripture says he tasted and he didn't take no more because he wasn't going to numb himself from the infliction of sin that he needed to bear so that he was not shortchanged. He could say the penalty has fully been paid. And here they started to beat him and slap him. You know, if someone back in Jews, I can tell you, when someone came up for a slap, it was a demeaning thing. And they would have, they would have been now taken him before the priest, and they would have then had their trial. And here they're saying, you blasphemer, you've said this, and you said that you would destroy the temple in three days and raise it up. And you said that you were, you know, this and that. And, and they, he would, they would speak, and they were starting to slap him and beat him and, and tear, as the scripture says, tear his beard out. I don't know if any of you have ever had that happen to you, I highly doubt it, but to even pluck one little hair from your cheek is actually quite discomforting. But they tore his beard out, as the scripture said, and they began to slap him, and they tried to beat him. They are infuriated. And a rage had overcome the Jews and the council at that time. And there, when they deemed that it was blasphemy that he had, then, that he had, had, had done, and it was a death sentence to them. They blindfolded him. They put a blindfold around your, your Lord Jesus. And they started to smack him. They started to be saying, where did that come from? You're a prophet. Come on. Tell me where this came from. And they, would, they, would, they beat him and they scorned him and mocked him there. And that was the exchange. You say, I don't want to think about that, Brother Michael. No, this was the exchange that was happening at this moment. They moved the trial. They said they moved it over to Rome. Let Pilate take care. To Rome, and, and the, you can imagine which the brutality of the Romans is, is known throughout. And here Pilate now has been brought before him. And we won't go through all the details. Pilate now had Jesus on his own hands. If you go through the different scriptures in the gospel, he, my goodness, he tried to really figure out a way that he didn't have to deal with it. But he had Jesus on his hands. Here in John accounts, even at one point, they sent Jesus out to be scourged. And in fact, Pilate was hoping that maybe he would send him out to scourge him so that, he, he, that Jesus would look even so brutal that they wouldn't, they wouldn't cr cr crying for his death, crying for his death. And in John, he, he go, they scourge him. And so he could then bring him back and say, now here he is, surely. He, I don't find no fault in him. And so here he had sent him out to be scourged. And if, if you go through the, the accounts of, of, of what, how that would be, this is the communion table. This is remembering the Lord. This is remembering the exchange. Because right here at this moment, Jesus was now put towards a, a tied to a block that would have been standing, standing there in the, in the middle of a place. And they would have picked up a whip that would have had these shards of bone or, or metal and, and these different things in it that would cause uh, like little rocks and stuff in the, in, the, in the whip. And they started to whip our Lord and they started to bruise him and they started to scourge him and lay the stripes on his back where they, those, the, the things would tear at his flesh and, and cause just a marring of the body in the exchange. Because my sin needed a savior who is sinless. And all this process, every whip of it, 
every beating of it, every scourging of it was the exchange for you to become sinless. Amen. Scripture says, and many in Isaiah 52, and many were astonished, which means horrified. At thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. The fury, the fury of our sin was met on him. And every little bit, the exchange is being made. Every whip, every stripe that he bore. Isaiah says he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. So marred, so brutally beaten, that we even, as it were, hid our faces because it was such a wretched sight. And then Pilate takes Christ, stands him again before the people and says, surely I find no fault in this man and hoping that just maybe the brutality that they had just met out on Christ would appease the anger that they had. But they still yet to crucify him. Because the exchange was not fully done yet. And so then they had to succumb. And they put a crown of thorns on his head. Scripture says then they beat his head with a rod after they put a crown of thorns on and then placed a cross on his back and then had him walk. Now Jesus now walking a half kilometer after he'd been completely beaten beyond all measure that we can't even begin to imagine and now place and, and demand him now to walk a half kilometer, a quarter mile up the road to Calvary. And here the crowds are pressing and jeering and throwing stones and, 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 and scorning and mocking him all the way as he carried the cross of Calvary's hill. And here, then they would lay him on the ground as they reached the, the pinnacle of Calvary and lay him on the cross there. And his poor little arms, I'm sure, couldn't even stretch them out. And so they would stretch his arms to meet the place where the nails must go. And, and then Rome would have brought their nails down on the cross and drove it into his, into his hands. And some would say his wrist and the wrists were considered the hand because that's where it would hold the body. And he stood, he now then hung there between earth and heaven on Calvary's hill. And then to breathe, he had to push the body up with your legs and, and try to get the air in your breath, in your chest, and the spasms and the nerves, the pain that was searing through, all because there was an exchange that needed to happen. And the wrath of God was poured out upon him. I know in that moment on Calvary, if you or I were there, you probably could barely, you probably couldn't even look at it. I don't, man can't even portray a picture or a video or anything of the nature because, and most of you, would, it would be too horrifying to even look at. But this was the moment of the greatest exchange of life. My sin, your sin, was being poured out upon him. Wounds for our transgressions. Bruises for our iniquities. Stripes for our healing. Chastisement for peace. And at this exchange moment, our filthy rags 
as he's receiving the stripes from the Romans, your filthy rag is being laid on him. My filthy rags of righteousness being laid on him. God didn't shout out then and cry out to humanity, match this! What can you do to equal what I've just done and demand you to come up with some equal value, something, match what I just did now? No, he didn't do that. But Abraham says, he said, come unto me. All ye that are, la- that are labor and heavy laden, I'll take your burdens, your sins. And set you free. He says, oh, what an exchange. He says, no one could do that but thee, our Father. We thank thee that thou did that for us. And that we are thy witnesses of this hour. That you take our burdens, our sin, and give us joy and peace instead. How thankful we are for, Lord, this inner Christian experience. He said, we're so glad for this. And Jesus then hanging on a cross. He cried out as we've spoken It is finished. The moment that the exchange was done. What a moment. What a moment when the exchange, when my filthy rags were fully laid on him and his righteousness fully laid on me. It is finished for your healing, for your joy, for your peace, for everything that you need, for your deliverance, for your lost loved one. At that moment, I've exchanged it. I've taken every bit of it. I've received the full punishment that's required. But Abraham said, he's continued the quote about the shepherd, Moses. He says, he was smitten back there. He said, it is finished. And that minute, as soon as the shepherd was smitten, it was over. Sin settled. There was no more sin. They were clean. The penalty paid. The believers whose name were written in the book of life, predestinated from the foundation of the world. It was finished that very minute that Jesus said it was finished. He, the great shepherd, had come for his sheep. He said, God's right hand was pulled from his bosom, smitten as Moses did with leprosy. But he said then on Easter, he returned it, amen. He returned it up again to his bosom and extended it down to you and I. Oh my, in the form of his word to redeem us back to the original garden from which sin took us from. Oh, what a, what a mind picture there, our mental image of Moses. You just thought, oh, Moses, it was a sign. But here, Brother Bram says, no, God put the right hand of power, which was Christ, into his booth, took it out and smote him. And here he was, a type of the leprosy of sin that went fully on Christ, then took him back to his bosom and then gave it down to you and I. Oh, hallelujah. He said the hidden secret of his great heart was revealed by a prophet shepherd. It was revealed by a shepherd. He's in the service why it had to be shepherds. Oh, my. Can you imagine the leper? Can you imagine the leper that is all sin-stained in his garments, outcast out there, barely trying to scratch out a little living, hoping that someone would toss something his way? But then when one day someone walked by his way, there was a little leper that said it came and Jesus made him whole. Can you imagine the change that he went under, that his filthy tattered garments could be shed no more and his filthy filthy rags could be put on a new garment? He was clean. He was whole. He could walk with his head up now. He wasn't having to be shameful and say, unclean, unclean, come near me. No, no, don't come near me. No. 
because one had exchanged and said, no, no, here's my righteousness. Wear this robe as you are my son. You are my daughter. Think of the story of the king who had the man that killed his son and put him in jail. Think of that transformation that he put him out and brought him out of jail, deserving, deserved it all, deserved to go to death, deserved every bit of it. I did it. I don't know why. I was jealous. I don't know why I killed your son. And there, the king of, king of kings stepped into that little jail cell, says, you just come with me now. Oh, well, what's happening? What's happening? Just, just come with me now. And here he goes, and he takes him out and now scrubs him all up and washes him up. Here it is. What's, what's happening here? Takes that robe of the king, puts it on his shoulders, and says, Now, you're going to be my son. He said, That's unfathomable. That's what he did. That's the exchange that happened for you and I to stand here as sons and daughters of God. What exchange? What are you needing tonight? Because at Calvary, it is finished. There was nothing left at Calvary's Hill. Nothing was left there unpaid for. God did the full exchange for sin. He did the full exchange for sickness. He did the full exchange for everything that you need. Calvary paid it all. I tell you that when God exchanges something with you, it's never a downgrade. There he sat with a woman at the well. He says, well, you have needed something to drink. You know, you need some water. Yes, for some water from her. No, no, no. But if I give to you, these are waters, living waters. When Jesus gives you something, it's never downgrade. It's upgrade. Amen. But our man says, if we would sit down tonight and figure what is any greater thing than eternal life? What is any greater? Tell me what kind of price that you could put on eternal life. If you were dying tonight with $100 billion in your pocket, it could not touch eternal life. You can't buy it. Money is filth in the sight of God. If it isn't used to, in the sight of God, if, if it isn't used to his kingdom or some good cause, amen, it's filthy. God won't take no money. He won't take no merit. He won't take nothing of you. Nothing. God's going to exchange with you. And you know what your part is? It's your sin, your guilt, your condemnation. You know, when someone gives you something so incredible, everybody have a hard time ever receiving an incredible gift? It's pretty hard to take. Someone just says, you know what? <laughs> someone dropped on your lap $100,000. You don't, how do you, you, first your mind would say, well, of course I'll take it. But in reality, you wouldn't even know how to receive it sometimes. You, you just, how, do I, how do I handle this? This is just too, too beyond. I, I, how, do I, how do I show my gratefulness? How do I show my thanks? You're, you're, it's, almost, it's almost too hard to take. And sometimes that might be the case for some of you. You can't comprehend what God did for you. And it's like, how do I, how, I, you just can't believe that your condemnation, that your guilt, that your pain, that your sin, all of that has been paid for. You're like, how, how do I take this? Take it. Take it. You must take it. A pardon is only a pardon if received as a pardon. So if you're just like, well, I just don't know, you're going to lose eternal life. He says, what do you think would happen in Wall Street, places in the world I've preached? Primitive, they hunt in seashores for muscle sales and all that. He says, they use them for money, all these little shells and stuff. 
He says, what if they brought that onto Wall Street? Uh, what would the men think in their markets if you placed some muscle shells and stinking teeth of animals and want to exchange them for gold bonds? You're like, here, here's some muscles and, and, and some stones that I found on the beach. I'd like to get about uh, you know, 80 ounces of gold, please. They're like, you're insane. It's not going to happen. He says, that's what our money and our greatness is before God. You have nothing. Zippo. There's, there's nothing on that scale you could give. He said, we can't buy it. God's so good, he gives it to us. He said, without money and without price. He says, we turn it down. It doesn't even seem sane, does it? No, it does not. It doesn't seem sane. But I'm just so overwhelmed that God considered and he looked at me and my wretched state of sin and he says no you're worth everything that I must give for you you're worth every stripe I'm going to bear you're, you're worth every, every mockery and whipping you're worth we can't, again I can't even paint a mental picture for you but he said you're worth it all I'm willing to exchange. This is no equal value. This is no, well, I think I'm going to get something out of it. No, God wasn't getting nothing out of it. It was all him and none of us. But you know what? He just desires your fellowship. I thought, Lord, how can we not love you back? How can we not lay everything down? How, how can we hold, hold back our heart as a song was wrote even another day? When you come to the magnitude, if we can remember the magnitude of the exchange that, went, that happened at Calvary. You, you know, that's why we have communion as we come to just a little close tonight. Because when we start to remember something and we start to refresh in our minds a certain situation, all of it starts to come back. You start to, whoa, I didn't remember that. I, I, oh, I totally forgot that that transpired. And you start to refresh your mind a certain situation or certain circumstances. You let kind of go way behind. And so you start to remember it. And you're like, whoa, yeah, that was, a, that was quite the time we went through. And that's why communion, we, we must, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Because when you do this and you start to remember what Calvary did for you and I, and you start to think about, don't, don't shoo away the thought. Don't be as the scripture said, and we hid our eyes from it because we can't even, I just, I can't even think about that. No, no, it do you good to remember him, to remember the exchange of Calvary. When he bore every aspect of our sin and the weight of the world on his shoulders, remember him. Because then it starts to flood back on you and I. And then you start to say, Lord, what can I do for you? Is there any, what can I do? How can I do? What can I do for your body? What can I do for your people? How can I lay my life down more at your feet? Oh, when you start to, to understand the magnitude in our simplistic little mind, it floods back on you. And then you say, how can I not love you with everything that's in me? That's why the scripture says, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget either. Scripture says, bless the Lord, 
O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Because at Calvary, it didn't just pay for your sin and my sin. It also released a flood of benefits. Forget them not. At here, forget them not. The broken bread as it signifies a broken body and a bitter cup of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you and I. Why? There's benefits that came out of that. Scripture says, forget them not. Remember, because tonight it's available to you. If you say, oh, I, I totally forgot about that. You don't want to forget about his benefits. You don't want to forget about the benefits that he gave to you and I. Because the scripture follows up, who redeem thy life from destruction, crowns thee with loving kindness, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. The chapter goes on and we don't have time. Who so satisfieth my mouth with good things. Oh, don't forget, saints, all his benefits tonight as we approach a communion table. And so I would ask as we musicians could come, Scripture says in Romans 8, moreover, whom he did predestinate. Is this a benefit now as we turn and close? Them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. That word needs a service in and all of itself. Because in a court of law, when a judge declares someone on trial that they're not guilty, it means that they're justified, essentially. In the eyes of the law, nothing can be held against them or is punishable. They, it, they, as we know, they didn't do it in the first place. There's nothing there. You are justified. You cannot hold on. That's why you do not hold on to your, any condemnation or guilt or anything. Calvary, when Jesus died on that hill of Calvary, don't make his sacrifice um, uh, you know, worth nothing. And hold on to you, oh, you know, I'm just not worth it, or I, you know, why am I I'm unworthy? No, you are, but he made you worthy. And he did that on Calvary so that you would be worthy. Don't then go back, well, God, I, I just, I'm just so full of guilt, and you're condemned about this, or something that happened is under the blood. You're justified. He did that for you. Remember the exchange. And then I wonder, as Brother Brown says, I wonder if we're sufficiently, he says, sufficiently impressed with the word in our midst. And I thought, Lord, are we sufficiently impressed with the exchange? Are we too engrossed in our work and our day-to-day -day and what we must do? And well, hey, we're spending and doing good things too, our, just our duties and, and such. But are we sufficiently impressed on what Calvary means to us? And tonight, I would just pray, and that's just my little burden tonight, as we have communion. And the scripture says, do this in remembrance of me. I just pray that you would just ponder and remember the exchange of Calvary. But Abraham says, he says, baptism doesn't save you. It's a, only a sign that you're witnessing to the congregation you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. He says, it doesn't save you. Water will not save. It's your faith that saves you. But baptism is an order, and it must be carried out. Who here would say baptism is important? <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody here would say no. Uh, we could just skip that. I don't think so. Not a believer. He says, 
How could God, because God can't say be baptized and turn around and say it doesn't need to be done. He cannot issue taking communion and turn around and then say there's no need to take it. You've got to do it. It's an order forever with God because God wants you and I to remember Calvary. He wants you and I to never forget what he did for you and I. Do this. It's not, and, and I, it's not an option. But Abraham says clearly, it's an order. He says forever. Because God needs you to remember what he did for you. And tonight as we take the bitter cup and the broken bread, may it not be common, but Abraham says not just common, but remembering the Lord. He says no matter what you ever would ever do, there's nothing nowhere and anyways that can come near what Christ did for you. You know, maybe the scripture says, Isaiah 49, he says, can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. You say, really, a mom, could she forget a suckling child? That'd be very incredible circumstance and beyond even nature. But scripture says, yay, they may forget. Yet, will I, God, not forget thee? He's saying, do this in remembrance of me. And he's saying, I'll never forget you. In fact, he bears scars in his hands. And every time God goes to a task... He looks down at his hands and he remembers you. It's there. He bears the remembrance of you and I and the exchange he did for your sin and my sin every time he does something. He looks down and he remembers Sister Margaret. He said, I did that for her. He remembers Brother Greg. I did that for him. And he remembers you. And we're going to come to the table. We said, Lord, we're just remembering you tonight what you did for me. You remember me, I'm remembering you. Let's just sing as we change the order. He became me so that I might become him by grace as better Tom comes. Well, now he became me so that I might become him by grace Oh, now He
more time. Let's sing it. He became me so that I might become times in exchanging people receive the gift but they re-gift the gift after a while they look at it and said well I don't need this I'm just going to re-gift it don't re-gift this gift this was the greatest exchange ever given to mankind for that we are so thankful to the Lord Jesus and we do indeed remember the Lord at this time around the communion table. The Bible states in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and I'll read what Paul has said regarding communion. But for those that are visiting and those that are here tonight, this is an open communion table. If you are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and know him as your personal savior, you're welcome to join with us this communion time. After we have had communion, the wine, the bread and the wine, the sisters will, then we will break and we will have foot washing afterwards. And they will go to the chapel the deacons will give direction where the sisters will go. The brothers will go straight to the fellowship room for the foot washing. Jesus left us three ordinances, and Michael talked about water baptism. That was one. Next one was communion, and the next one was foot washing. Are these important? Indeed, they are important for us to fulfill. Tonight we have deacons standing around this table. They will break the bread. When they have broken it and they've passed the plate, would you mind just holding that and we'll take a communion together. And then they will come forward and we will pass the wine and then the wine you can take at your liberty. So I'll read scripture and ask the brothers to pray and you may have your seats. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and he said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance 
of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and he supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye also, also as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause there is many are weak, sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. I listened to most of the communion messages today. And Brother Branham takes this point and he says, Now, we'll just bow our heads for a moment. If you need to make things right, make it right. You need to put something under the blood, put it under the blood. And so we'll bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, we enter in this great event tonight and we do this in remembrance of you there are things Lord that we put under the blood and we ask God that your grace and mercy will cover us Father this is an ordinance that you left us and we will indeed do it so we pray your blessing upon this evening now in Jesus name you may have your seats. So the Bible says here, and when he had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, take heed, this is my body which do in remembrance of me. I will ask Brother Jeff if you would mind praying over the bread. And as I said, once the brothers have broken it and passed it, if you would just hold it and we'll take the the bread together, Brother Jeff. Let's bow our heads. Most gracious, wonderful Father, as we stand before the blood-bought of Jesus Christ, your sons and daughters, and before these emblems that represent your broken body, O oh, Father, we feel so unworthy. But we're thankful, O oh Father, that you didn't look upon our faults, O oh God. And we're remembering this great exchange of our filthy garments to your robes of righteousness, Father. Lord, it's hard to comprehend that you would do such a thing for us, O oh God, remembering where we came from, O oh God. That you were willing, Lord Jesus, to take that to do that for us, Father, as you walked to Calvary, 
with us on your mind, Lord. You knew the price. You knew what it was going to take. You knew the suffering. But you were willing to do it, Lord Jesus. What a value you put upon us, Father. And it's because of that predestinated seed gene that you placed within us before the foundation of the world, Lord. You went to Calvary for us. You had us in your mind, O God. Tonight, Lord Jesus, as we're remembering this great exchange and as we're going to break these emblems, Father, which represents your broken body, we just pray that you would bless everyone that will partake of it as they remember the pit that you have hewn them from, O Father. And you made us one body, O God. And we're thankful and we're rejoicing in this great exchange, O God. We know, Lord Jesus, nothing that we have done is only by your grace. Therefore, I pray that you would bless the brothers and sisters as they partake of it. May you sanctify it to our bodies, Lord. Now we commit it to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As the brothers break the bread, why don't we just sing a song that I love. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. Because
same night in which he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me let's partake was indeed as filthy rags God when you determined you'd do it you'd do it you'd do it Lord I'm so thankful that I can be a part of this great remembrance of God hallelujah oh, we love you Lord After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had stopped saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. My God and Savior came. Spilt his blood for me. As the brothers pass this wine. Take it at your leisure. Brother Joe, would you mind praying over the Precious Heavenly Father, tonight we bow our heads and our hearts, Father of God. 
As the thought goes through our mind, Father, O oh God, back in Calvary, Lord Jesus, how for hundreds and thousands of years, blood was slain, children of Israel. When they came out of Egypt, Lord, something had to die there. The lamb had to be slain there, Father. Lord, what a wonderful thing it was for them, Lord, when they seen the Egyptians fall to the left and to the right, and they could walk out under the bloody lamb that was, that they followed Moses, Father, according to the direction that he gave them, that the death angel will not come over them, Lord God. And they hastily took that manna and, that, and, the, and the, the lamb that was provided there for them. And for 40 years they went through the wilderness, O oh God, Father. Their clothes never got old. They suffered nothing, O oh God, of such great multitude, Lord, how you took care of them, Lord. By the shedding of the blood of a lamb, an animal, what promise is there for us, Father, Lord, with the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord? And he said, we are worthy, O God, to receive honor, to receive glory, because we give it to you, Lord God. In return, Lord Jesus, you give us the strength and the grace, Lord, and the forgiveness of our sins, Father, O God. For we were born in sin, we were shaped in iniquity. We came to this world speaking lies. There was no hope for us, Father, outside of the blood, the bleeding word. We did not come the way we should have come, but we came, Father, O oh God, of desire, O oh God, between male and female, Lord. But you had a different purpose, Lord God. Lord, Adam and Eve, Lord, were given the promise, Lord, that this mistake that they made there will be corrected one day. Something that will, the blood that was shed and speaks better things than Abel, O oh God, who tried, the blood of Abel cried for vengeance, but the Lord, blood of the Lord cried forgiveness, Lord. Lord, you shed your blood for us, Father, because you are the true Lamb, Father, O oh God. Slain before the foundation of the world, O oh God. You had a purpose and a plan in mind that had to be carried out, Father, through love to many a suffering and many a tears and many of heartaches, Father. And Lord, you went through, Lord God, the cross of Calvary, Lord Jesus, Father. For you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace is upon you. And by your stripes we are healed. And tonight we think of this this, this sacrifice that was made for us, oh God, feeling so unworthy, Lord God, you made us through this sacrifice, you made us worthy, Lord Jesus. So tonight we remember you, Lord, what you have done for us, Father, and that we now can claim our healing and those that are sick and afflicted amongst us, those that need healing, Lord God. Those that have suffered many, many years, Father, and that have cried out to you, Lord Jesus, I say tonight, let their faith ride up, Father. Let their strength reach out, Father, O oh God, to the risen Savior, Lord God, that died upon the cross, O oh God, that he said it is finished, it is done, Lord. O oh God, Father, we're remembering this tonight, what you've done for us. 
Let there be healing in this cup tonight. That when your children drink this, put this to their lips, Father, and are sick and afflicted, may it be over for them because you promised, Lord Jesus, because you were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. Oh, God, Father, we are so thankful, Father, oh, God, and we just just think of when you take these emblems, Lord, this the fruit of the vine, Lord God, that represents your blood, Lord God, that was shed for us, Father. It was brought forth, Father, for, you, for, for us, Father, for the healing of our body, for the forgiveness of our sins. It was all worthy, O oh God. You'll be worthy for what you've done for us. And we appreciate that. We thank you for that. And we're thinking about that and thinking it serious, Lord. Let every heart tonight be thankful, Father, for what you have done for us, O oh God. And we do thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father. Bless each and every one, Father, that will partake of this emblem, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, oh God, thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. As you receive the cup and you desire something from God, why don't you just claim it? Why don't you stand at your place and say, oh God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I claim the blood. I claim the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious
your testimony of it. There's power in the blood of the Lamb. Brother Bram said, he said, if God saved you and you believe the power of the blood for you, can you not believe for your own family? And I want to say, I do. I'm under if there's a few more around here that says there's power in the blood and I claim my family for the glory of God that we can rejoice in the power we can rejoice in it is finished we can rejoice in the very goodness of God amen why don't we all stand Brother Anthony took a few of my songs, and this is one I wanted to sing, and so we're going to sing it, paid in full by the blood of the Lamb, paid in full. Oh, free from sin.
debt paid washed by the blood of the lamb what a marvelous marvelous event took place at Calvary the Bible says this in st. John chapter 13 and the supper being ended the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him can you imagine as Michael said tonight he valued eternal life for 30 pieces of silver my my Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands that he had come from God and went to God he had risen from the supper laid aside his garments took a towel and he girded himself after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet can you imagine what an example what an example risen from supper laid aside his garment took a towel girded himself and after that he poured water into a basin began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded then when he came to Simon Peter Peter said unto him Lord dost thou wash my feet Jesus answered and said unto him what I do thou knowest not now but thou shalt know hereafter Peter said unto him thou shall never wash my feet Jesus answered him said if I wash thee not thou hast no part with me Simon Peter said unto him Lord not my feet only but also my hands and my head Jesus said unto him he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet but is clean every wit and you are clean but not all for he knew who should betray him therefore said he you are not all clean so after he'd washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again he said unto them know you not what I've done to you you call me master and Lord and you say well for so I am if I then your Lord and master have washed your feet ye also ought to wash one another's feet there's your ordinance right there from the word of from the Lord Jesus for I have given you an example that you shall do as I have done to you verily verily I say unto you the servant is not greater than his Lord neither is he that is sent greater than he send him so the sisters will go to the fellowship room I'm sorry to the chapel and the brothers will go to the fellowship room and the deacons will give directions if the chapel's full into other rooms let's bow our heads Heavenly Father we feel honored and privileged to be able to have an evening such as this to be, Lord, sons and daughters of God, obedient to thus saith the word. And so, Lord, as the sisters will watch, wash the sisters' feet, the brethren will wash the brethren's feet, may it be a blessed time for each and every one of them. And Father, when we are done and we come back to rejoice within the 
little sanctuary here. May you be pleased as you watch over us tonight as we fulfill your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brothers, why don't you make your way to the fellowship room? And sisters, why don't you make your way then to the chapel? God be with you. Give you a blessed time. Just come back into the sanctuary.
different might as well rejoice right didn't Jesus say after the last scripture that we wrote or we read happy are ye if you do these things I want to rejoice I want to I want God to receive all the glory so we've been requested to have Michael sing a song with a few of the young people on the risers <laughs> that was me <laughs> this blood who sang this blood? Please make your way forward. Come on, Jess. You won't be the only one.
this precious blood that gave me life in three days he breathed again when he rose in mighty song. I love that song. I just want to sing it right there. There is a grave.
I was just talking with Brother Angelo in the back there. He said, it's got to be just any moment. Any moment in time, he's coming back. We've, we've got to be a sliver. Brother Branham said even a knife blade. Because you know what? There's going to be one final exchange. There's, a, there's another exchange coming as the songwriter penned down. I'll cling to the old rugged cross. But in that ending line of the course, it says, and I'll exchange it someday for a crown. Amen. Also, I'll cling to that old rugged cross. But one day, I'm going to be able to present it. Each one of you are going to be able to walk across heaven's borders and, and eternity's line and start to lay down the armor. The breastplate of righteousness is going to lay down. You're going to lay down this sword and the shield of faith. You're going to take that and you're going to exchange it. Here's a robe, a white robe of eternity for the wedding supper that's just coming. I'm waiting for that exchange. That's the exchange I'm living for tonight and in eternity for this time. Just, so just hold on a little bit longer because that's the exchange we're waiting for. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful day. We haven't had a double Sunday day for a little while. It's good. It's good. Amen. Why don't we, uh, as we close, we can just sing, sing the song as we praise him, magnify. If we could end our day just magnifying him. Saying, Lord, we're going to start this week magnifying you. Magnifying the name of our Lord Jesus. Because each one of you and I was a poor man. And we were crying. Lord, I... I'm full of sin. I've got a robe of unclean, filthy rags. But you delivered me. The first verse. I saw the Lord. And he
could enter your gates tonight with thanksgiving and praise. Lord, after a communion table, as we've remembered the Lord, we've remembered, Lord, the sacrifice of Calvary. Lord, oh God, we would want to end this service on no other note but to say we magnify you. On no other plane but to give you praise. On no other place but to say you're worthy of all honor and glory. Oh God, may from this sanctuary and from every system connected to this, would Lord spontaneous, Lord praise erupt from our lips. May not at this moment we hold back, oh God. Lord, for this is our opportunity. Maybe, Lord, something could happen as we walk out a door. And, Lord, we don't want to miss an opportunity that we could say, Lord, you are worthy. That we love you. That we appreciate you. That we thank you for the stripes you bore. Lord, that you took, Lord, the agony and the searing pain on Calvary's hill just for me. Lord, we must personalize it tonight. So we glorify your name, oh God. May, Lord, each person here, as they would walk out of these doors, may, Lord Jesus, may there be a spring in their step. May they be, Lord, just a bundle of praise. Lord, they walk into their little home. They say, what happened tonight? They say, I was in the presence of the King of Kings, for he was worthy. He took the book and opened it up. He saved my sin-sick soul. Oh, God, that's why we come tonight. Lord, to set aside an evening of worship and praise to you, our God. Oh, Lord. Lord, we just want to, Lord, lay our lives down. May, Lord, if we've been a little short in our giving back to you, in our time, in our efforts, Lord, in any area, oh, God, may we, Lord, we just ask your forgiveness and we look forward. Setting those things which are behind us, we look forward to the cross of Calvary. And, Lord, we, Lord, each one here would set our eyes on eternity. Lord, not letting go, not, Lord, looking to the left or to the right. But, Lord, we press towards the prize of the high calling. So we dismiss your people. Lord, we've had a wonderful day. Lord, may we be supercharged for this week. May, oh God, as we've been praying in the prayer meetings, we go out with a burden for souls. Lord, may we be, Lord, just firebrands and witnessing of torches of God. Lord, pillars of fire, Lord, above us as they were at Pentecost. Oh, Jesus, and those that would look upon us in our workplaces, they say, something changed on this weekend. Say, yes, I was in church. I was in the presence of God. And Lord, our, our, our whole being would emanate with the glory of God as Moses did when he came off the mountain. So we give your people, Lord, to you. We bless them, Lord. We thank you for their time that they give today. And Lord, their labors of love, Lord, they are a giving people. And Lord, we are honored to sojourn with them here at Cloverdale Bible Way. And so I pray a blessing upon each one. Go with them, your people. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Go with the power of God in your step. You're sons and daughters of God. We have a right to shout and sing. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. We can sing that as you shake each other's hand. That song. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Shake each other's hands. Say, God bless you. I know we know it. Oh, the children of the Lord have a right to shout and sing. Go the way.